Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're talking about module systems. And we've taken a little look at Haskell's, um, an embarrassingly tiny glimpse at standard ML's, um, mostly because there's a lot to learn about different um, little tweaks and, and special, you know, specific variations on the module system. And I, I just haven't learned that yet myself. So, uh, but we got at least the main perspectives of that, at least the high level point of, of the way the module system works, I hope. And now today I want to talk a little bit about Agda's module system. And um, I know a little bit more about Agda's module system just because I do program in Agda. But uh, um, I don't program in standard ML anymore. I used to program in OCaml, but now I prefer Haskell. So, um, but anyway, uh, Sorry if I just lost like a third of my listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Agda's module system is kind of an interesting point. I would say, I hope it's fair to say, in between Haskell's and standard ML's. And so in Haskell, um, like in, uh, in, I'm sorry, in Agda, like in Haskell, the, the main point of the module system is namespace management. Um, and, uh, goodness, in fact, I'm not, I don't think I remember seeing about exports. I have to look, I was reading the, there's a really nice page on the read the docs for Agda. If you just Google for Agda module system, I think the first hit for me was, um, the documentation from the Agda development team. And it's a very nice, really nicely written description, um, of how the module system works, very understandable, and also, um, nicely sort of pointing out why some things are the way they are. And the, I think one of the first things it says is sort of the, the, the point of the module system is namespace management. Um, now actually, I think as you'll, as you'll hear when I give you my take on this a little bit, I think it's actually doing more than that. Um, I mean, they didn't say that that was the only thing it did, but, uh, Yes. So they like Haskell's module system. Um, you can uh, declare um, you know, modules. You know, a file can be a module, but unlike Haskell's, modules can be nested. So you can have modules within modules, and that's actually more makes it a little more like standard ML's module system. Uh, and um, so y you can have uh, you know you declare your you know code and definitions and stuff inside of a module or inside nested modules. And then you can refer to uh, entities within a module using a qualified name, just the way you'd expect. So if I have a module M, and outside of that module I want to refer to something, I have to say M dot whatever that thing is. Okay, so that's that's really similar to the way it's done in Haskell. Um, and also that's that same functionality is available in uh, um, the standard ML module system. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so you structure things. As I said, I don't recall seeing a way to list exports from a module. That's very interesting. I'd want to go back and take a look at that. Um, oh, wait a sec. Actually, now I recall. There is a feature. You can declare some things private. Uh, I don't quite remember the syntax, and I don't remember if that... I think that applies to components of the module. I mean, things within the module. I'm not exactly sure. We'd have to go look and see. But there is a way to do information hiding. Um, which is, you know, something that the Haskell module system lets you do. So you can declare some things private, and then you cannot uh, reference them by name outside of that module where they're declared private. So you can do information hiding. Um, the, probably the coolest feature 
I think, of Haskell's module system is that it it essentially combines in the module system, I mean, it, it, it in a very nice way, it fits into the module system an idea that we see in Calk, which we haven't talked about Calk's module system yet, um, but in Calk, they have this idea of a section because it's in a section, basically, you can, in Calk, you can declare a section and you can specify uh, a bunch of entities that you basically are like adding extra variables to everything that follows. Okay, and in, in, so maybe not to dwell on the Calk version, but to come to how it's done in Agda. The way to look at it, the way it's portrayed in Agda is that uh, you declare a module, and the module can be parameterized. You can say module M, and then you can write some like parentheses, like, oh, this depends on A that's a type, and F that's an A to A function, and, and a bunch of things like this. So you can, you can list parameters to the module, and then when you import a module, uh, you, can, you can specify these arguments for these parameters. Okay, or actually... Um, almost even more amazing than that, you don't have to specify arguments for the parameters. And then the effect is that all the definitions in that module are implicitly taking uh, their par the param module parameters as extra inputs. Okay, so if you have module M that's parameterized by X, Y, and Z, and inside of M you've got a function F, then if I call M.F outside of that module, um, then I'm getting... Uh, a version of F that takes in the inputs X, Y, and Z first, and then does whatever F was going to do. Um, so uh, that's a pretty awesome feature because it means you can write these sort of parameterized things. So you kind of you get a little bit of the functionality of standard ML functors because you can basically say, well, this module needs all this other stuff. Um, SML functors go beyond that though quite a bit because. First of all, you're saying this module is parameterized by this other module, where all the sort of um, hiding and, and things like that can apply to that other module. So you could say, well, for this module to work, it needs another module that has some type or other that's hidden, and um, you know, so and some things that are not hidden, right? So in ML modules, you can mix what's hidden and what's not hidden. Um, I forget if you can do that for value, like definitions of values. You definitely can do that for definitions of types. Um, anyway, so with Agda modules, though, you are just saying, well, this module takes in a bunch of stuff. And there isn't really a way to say, like, you can't say, oh, it takes in... Um, I mean, I guess I'm not sure it even exactly makes sense. You know, you couldn't really say, well, it's, it takes in a type A that, by the way, should be this. I mean, that would be sort of silly um, in this setting. In uh, you would just say, well, okay, if I was going to tell you what the definition of A is, I'll just use that definition in the other module parameters. So I wouldn't really need to, to do, have a uh, manifest type definition uh, in the sort of parameter list of a Agda module. And in the standard ML system, they use the, the ability to say, oh, this module type A is actually equal to this other thing to actually have um, sort of coherence between different modules. So in standard ML, if you wanted to say, oh, this, like you have a functor that says, I need two modules, and let's say each of these two modules has an abstract type T, but I want to say that they're the same abstract type T, right? Because maybe I want to have some code that kind of is using um, 
you know, using functionality from each of these two modules, but they, it needs to be sort of um, coherent. Right? Like, I need to make sure that they're both using the same underlying type. I don't get to specify, I mean, I needn't specify what the type is. I just want to say they're the same. So, um, anyway, so in standard ML module system, they use these sort of manifest types in their signatures for this reason, which is a, you know, pretty interesting idea. But anyway, the Agda module system is much, I think, is much simpler than that. I think it's fair to say it's much simpler than that. Um, you just have parameterized modules. Um, and so, uh, oh, and you can, you know, you have the usual kind of namespace management things. When you import a module, uh, you can import it hiding things, using things, or renaming things, which is nice. We did, I don't think we saw that in Haskell's module system. You can rename individual definitions. You could say, uh, well, this, you know, this module is, I would be importing a name X from this module, but I don't want to call it X. I want to call it something else. So you can rename, um, you can change the names of things as you import. Um, of course, this is kind of probably mostly just syntactic sugar, right? Because you could say, uh, instead, you just import the module uh, qualified, and you can, again, Agda is quite inspired by Haskell in a lot of ways, um, even as it perhaps is in turn inspiring Haskell in some ways. Uh, so, um, uh, you can do um, a lot of the same sort of things uh, in the Agda module system. So, um, you can say, I want to use these this name, I want to, oh, so I was going to say, so you can say, um, I can want to import qualified. So that means I only want to use the fully qualified name names from this module. So instead of, if M had a function F, I import M qualified, then I'm going to say M.F. And once again, I can import it qualified and change the module prefix. You know, if I have some very long module name, I can say import big long module name as whatever, and then as A, and then I can say A dot whatever. Um, okay, so anyway, I want to step back for a sec. So basically, we have something that I, from my perspective, from a high level, is pretty similar to Haskell's module system, except that it allows nested modules, which, to my knowledge, Haskell doesn't allow. Um, it also commits to organization of the modules in a directory structure. I didn't say that. So if you have a module called a.b.whatever, um, that needs to be in a directory, a slash b slash whatever. Um, okay, but the main point is we can have the main differences from Haskell's module systems, as I see it, are we have nested modules and we have parameterized modules, uh, and otherwise we're basically in the same world of trying to kind of manage what names are in scope, and you know, I mean, and how. It, so basically, it's like I want to know, say, what names I'm going to use in my code to refer to some things coming from some other piece of code. And so we get some control in this module system of what names um, I'm going to use. In fact, we get a little more fine-grained control than in Haskell's because I don't, yeah, I don't remember seeing that Haskell had something like renaming. So I can change, when I do an import, I can change the name of an individual definition, which is pretty handy. Um, some of these things, so it sounds kind of similar, but, but because of dependent types, there's a whole host of kind of engineering and usability issues that we don't probably see in Haskell, or maybe not as much. Um, so say you have a module that's got some, a private name, and but there's some dependently type code where that private name is going to show up. So now you're, as a, the tool, you know, the Agda tool is now going to show to the user things involving names that they can't write in their code. <laughs> and so 
they have they explained there in the read the docs for Agda module system they explained well they have sort of some convention for showing you in your code oh this is a name that you uh, sorry aren't actually able to write down in your code but because of dependent typing you know you can actually see it uh, appear in your you know in some goal or something you're trying to solve so okay um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about the Agda module system it's really nice I mean from a usability perspective Probably the most awesome feature is to me is the parameterized modules because that's really common where you want to say, um, I have this whole mass of code. Instead of making each and every function take in all these things, I'm going to just specify once and for all. All the code in this function takes in these extra arguments. Um, so that's something kind of we haven't really seen in a module system design up to now is like the ability to sort of use the module system to take sort of like a batch operation on some code. So that seems like yet another thing. I think we didn't really consider that as a as a sort of a component of a module system. Like, can I can I make sort of like a batch operation on all the things in this file? Um, that's a pretty interesting tweak, right? That's you know. So I think one of the reasons module systems get complicated is we do have a lot of different goals and um, that we're trying to address and and. Um, you know, namespace management and batch operations on code are really pretty different. Uh, and yet the module system seems to be the place where all that stuff is being done. So um, anyway, food for thought for people like me who are thinking about module system design for their own language. Okay, thanks a lot for listening. I hope you're well wherever you are. Feel free to drop me an email sometime if you want to introduce yourself. I like hearing from people and I will write you back. And if you have anything you want me to to talk about or some module system you really think ought to cover, let me know. It doesn't have to be for some esoteric functional programming language. It could be for C++ or whatever. Okay, take care.